If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Please remember, these episodes are considered for mature audiences only. There is some language and some mature discussion. Quickly, there's no time. There's no time. Quickly, quickly, release the Kraken. What? 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 Overblowing the channel script. Uh, strip. Yay. Yay. You said script when it's strip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Over crits. All right. Hey, hey, welcome to How You Play the Game, the official podcast, the Osip Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. That was a little weird. Why are we talking so fast, you might ask? Because the Yankee game is on and we got to get to a bar. <laughs> got nothing else. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> this is the uh, this is the second episode of the month of October. The year is 2019. Glad you can be with us. Across the way, the <laughs> producer engineer, Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, hello. Hello, how are you? You sound like the end of a car commercial where the guy... <laughs> wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube void, man. Wacky waving inflatable... <laughs> void but prohibited. <laughs> Some restrictions apply. See store for details. <laughs> Maybe we should slow, slow it down, down a little, a little bit. Okay. Bit. All right. All right. So we'll talk like this. All right. Uh, Sean, how are you? I'm fine. Good. We uh, just had a rehearsal. Yeah. We're, we're all... My chops are killing me. But uh, we're good, and uh, as always, social media, you can uh, get in touch with us. The email address is uh, podcast at osipfoundation.org. The website is osipfoundation.org. The facebook.com slash osipfoundation. Twitter and Instagram at osipfoundation. Hashtag how you play the game. Get in touch with us. Make sure you send us your sportsmanship stories, and we will talk about them on the show. We just want to go over a couple of things real quick with everybody for uh, this installment. Uh, Sean, why don't you tell us first about the story that you sent me oh, regarding yeah, okay. uh, the football team and the marching band? Yeah, so um, this happened in Michigan. So I'll just I'll just read the article. It's by um, by Elizabeth Wolf and Brian Rees of CNN uh, <clears throat> on CNN.com. And the article is entitled, A High School a high school Football Team with No Band Invited a High School Band with No Football Team to Play at Their Game. Which I thought was like <coughs> kind of an interesting play on words. Yeah. But um, I thought this was a great way to open the podcast and just to demonstrate a really great uh, positive sportsmanship story. I feel like we sort of been dwelling on the negative, um, which I mean is important. You have to go over it, unfortunately. You do have, you have to, to go call over people it. out on it, but but I think this is a great example. So um, the match was made last Friday night when the Glen Lake the Glen Lake Lakers football team heard that their neighboring Forest Area marching band had no one to play for after their football team's season was canceled. Uh, so Forest Area suspended its season due to low player participation. Interesting. So the Lakers invited the band to come play at theirs. No Friday night football game under those lights is complete without your sideline cheer team and a marching band, Mark Madsen, assistant principal and athletic director at Glen Lake, told CNN. Thrilled at the opportunity to perform... For a crowd, the band quickly learned the Lakers fight song, which I thought, which is even, that's... I know, right? Yeah. And you know what? I mean, and I don't I don't think it says anything here about them being rivals, but um, it's just great. 
that the community's coming together to, you know, to learn, you know, to have one marching band learn the fight song of another school. Just, just the fact that they thought of that, you know, we've been right. so far, we're, we're so in the box when we think sometimes that for somebody to say, hey, they have a marching band, but no football team. We have a football team, but no marching band. It's like peanut butter and jelly, you know? Right. So, um, so they learn the fight song. Meanwhile, an hour away, Glen Lake was adding extra seating and erecting tents to ward off the impending rain. They were just over the moon excited to go to be able to play at a different location. Forest area principal Kelly Holman told CNN it was something new and fun. The night ended in a victory for Glen Lake played out against the backdrop of the music they've been lacking all season long. The Glen Lake athletic director said that the band undoubtedly made an impact on the atmosphere of the night, which is absolutely true. That's fantastic. Um, it didn't take long for the two schools to connect and become one in supporting each other's cause, Matson said. He added they were welcome back anytime. That's great. So, you know, you know I, I, I mean, there. It, I think that the power of the marching band um, goes unnoticed a lot on how much they can influence mm -hmm. the, the outcome of a game. I mean, we, we've talked before about fans right. influencing the outcome of a game and how acoustics are built in certain stadiums to, you know, affect what people hear right. and everything. But um, sound in general and music in general for a sporting event really adds an element to it that it's one of those things where if it's not there people are like where's the band where's where's yeah, yeah. you know exactly what's missing yep um and i'm sure our our good friend gill at close call sports oh he knows a lot about he knows i mean could tell as, us a as lot an organist you know he you know he he has flourishes for every player and mm -hmm. i mean he he knows i mean uh, you know as someone who has directed a marching band and a pep band and whatnot you know, it's a it's a tough thing to master, but the the camaraderie that is created as a result of it, uh, when done properly, is amazing. Yep. You know, I think there's I think there. I mean, you can, I'll use the phrase, slice the bologna real thin, mm -hmm. and talk about the intricacies of when to play, how to play, things like that. I mean, believe me, there's a lot that goes into it. You know. Uh, because, you know, as we've discussed, sometimes you play in a way that can be distracting to the visitors and that's not really fair. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Mm -hmm. And we could and we could flip the script to the other side, too, and say, you know, we could we, we could get into the idea of just football in general and the dangers of that sport. But, mm -hmm. you know, taking that out of the equation, taking out of the equation, just the intricacies of how band plays at a game, things like that. Um, just, and not just, only for football, but for any sporting event. Oh, absolutely. Basketball. Bas basketball is the second biggest one, probably. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. um, we've we've played for volleyball before. You oh, know? that's cool. So I mean, the, just the idea that you know that that that's there. Um, sure. You know, and, and and the fact that there is that bond, you know, um, musicians and marching bands and whatnot, they get a bad rap sometimes. Right. You know, band geeks, band nerds, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um versus the the stereotypical jocks on the on the athletic teams and whatnot and they can right. be they, they can be at opposite ends of the spectrum it's, but it's not really what it used to be no. I think the relationship between both parties between the football team and the band is a lot more symbiotic yeah 
And I think they both realize that they're integral to each other's success. Yes. Um, and I think that's what Glen Lake and Forest Hill or Forest Area in uh, Michigan um, realize. Absolutely. And and um, it's kind of nice to for communities to be able to help each other out. Agreed. So um, way to go. Yeah. Michigan, um, Glen Lake, Forest, Forest Area. Uh you know, great, great, great job for kind of setting the bar. Yeah. And, and for thinking an outside example. the box a little bit too, you know? Right. I was just, it, that's, again, that's not an easy thing to, to, to come across. You yeah. know, you think, okay, we don't have a band. The end, you know? Yeah. But then to say like, I mean, I would imagine that a, that a lot of people would think like, well, how do we create a band within our own school? And, the, and they had the, the, the genius to say, wait a second. I heard that they don't have a football team, but they have a band, and and to make mm-hmm. that connection is, you know, it's a little divine intervention or something like and that. This you know, might this might uh, maybe motivate Glenn 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 Lake to maybe sort of start a band right. program to because they you know because if the right people were at the game right. Like the higher ups, the administration, or maybe members of the board of ed, because you know everyone goes to these games. Right. Maybe they're like, "Oh, well, this is really cool." Yeah. You know, maybe we should start something like this. They could be the impetus to a music program. Right. Exactly, you know? and, that, and that has nothing to do with excluding the band from the other school. That has everything to do with growing a program and growing music and growing the arts and I mean we just have to look well and it doesn't need to be just constricted to football I mean they could be you could do plenty of other sports as well and you know maybe when the other maybe if they do have a band eventually they could join forces and play together that'd be great we used to do that here in Hopewell we had uh, we we for the marching uh, band in uh, the Memorial Day Parade, the the Hopewell marching band and the Montgomery marching band would join forces. Oh, really? And play uh, Star Spangled Banner and whatnot. So oh, that's cool. They all you know the people realize that there are things bigger than competition. Yeah. And and come together for the right reasons. Competition has its place. Exactly. And remember, you're competing with people. You're not competing against people. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, kudos to them, kudos to those schools and, and thinking yeah. outside the box. Um, you know, that was, I think that was, you know, we wanted to touch on that and then we wanted to touch on a few other interesting stories. Um, let me tell you the story real quick of what happened at my gig because uh, this goes back to... Oh, what you were telling me earlier. Yeah. Okay. So this goes back to the the episodes that we did, the three-parter of uh, sportsmanship in the music business. Oh, and we'll do that again. Don't oh, you worry. Because because things happen. Yeah, and, and there are tons more stories oh, I can yeah. tell. So this one happened to me, <laughs> and and when I told Sean about it, he said, you got to tell it on the podcast because it, it fits in as like the just another example to go back mm-hmm. to that. Right. Um. So I'm playing a wedding yesterday, nice wedding, cocktail hour uh, at this uh, nice little ballroom in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I knew the groom very well, and so uh, it was my gift to him to play for him and whatnot. And it was, it was, you know, everything was fine. Um, kind of a weird load-in situation just because of the nature of you know trying to find a, this back alley in the city of Philadelphia and whatnot. I mean, but it wasn't you know not that big of a deal. Um, you know, but we set up play you know everything's going pretty well no no major issues you know um it's fine you know so uh cocktail hour ends 
and uh, the reception starts in another room. And so everyone starts clearing out, and the and the bridal party's about to leave and whatnot. So as they leave, we're like, all right, we'll we'll break down now. You know, we were just kind of waiting just to make sure, and then we broke down and um, had our stuff broken down, and uh, you know, and then we as contracted that we we're supposed to get fed, uh, you know, a vendor meal, and uh, we were waiting for like an hour, and we were like, you know what, there we're not normally- the meal supplied by the. By the venue, yeah, okay, yeah, to uh, to the vendors. So the okay. you know the photographer, the DJ. Oh, so, so they were all getting. So, meals. so everybody's supposed to get a meal. That's how it's supposed to happen. Did everyone else get a meal? They probably did, but the issue was that they're going to all get fed at the same time. So we would have to wait until the you know towards the end of the reception when everybody else was going to get fed who was working. Right. You know, uh, and and that wasn't really here nor there. It was kind of like, you know what, we could if if we wanted to get fed, we were going to have to wait at least another hour. And we were like, you know what, at that point we could just go home and eat. Not that but so it's not that big of a deal. Right. You know, okay, not the end of the world. So we were, so we just decided, hey, let's let's not wait. Let's just bag it. It's not that it's not a big deal. Um so we, you know, so we pa- we had our stuff packed up and you know, the parking garage was one block away, uh, right across the street from the front door of this ballroom. Uh, now, this ballroom also happened to have, like, uh, condominiums above it. And uh, I think there was even, like, a hair salon in the building, too. So, it was a little, a little weird, but whatever. Um, so, we walk out of, the, of the, the, the ballroom area, and we start walking towards the front door, just so that we can go right across the street. Right. Okay. <clears throat> And the, like the clerk, the bellboy, if you will, who's at the desk of the condominium in the building, you know, because they have people there 24-7, the concierge, if you will, mm-hmm. comes running over to us and says, stop, stop, I can't let you go out the front door. And we were like, what? He goes, yeah, you're musicians, you got to go out the other way. Excuse me? He says, yeah, you got to go over here. So he points us to a side door oh, that takes geez. us to a back alley, and we have to go out that way. So that we can go down these steps and into this creepy back alley, and then and then go around to the front of the when, building. When the parking garage was clearly right in front of the building, right in front of the building. I mean, it wasn't that far out of our way, but it was the principle of the thing. And, sure. And so I asked him, like, "What's the deal with that?" He goes, "It's condominium policy." And I was like, "I'm just," I was like, "I know who's I'm, gonna right." And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'm not gonna win this battle, so I'm not gonna argue it. Right. It's not like uh, when Phil told us the story of you can drink out of the hose. Oh, you know? that was legendary. But um, for all the wrong reasons, right? But you know, but I'm thinking like, okay, is it an insurance thing? Is it a, a crowd thing? Like if there's a bunch of people in the in the front? You know, I haven't you know? thought about that. Which I mean, part? The insurance? The insurance maybe. I mean, we're covered though. I mean, we had our own insurance. Right, you know, but yeah. I mean, and I'm sure that was explicitly said in the contract. Yeah, you know, um, you know, the only other thing I could think of was, do the people in the condos specifically have it in like their bylaws that the vendors can't use the front door of the building; they have to use the side doors, so that the front door is specifically reserved for the tenants of of the condos. And I'm like, we're three cocktail musicians. Is that where the guests arrived too? Yes. Yes, the guests came in the front too. And that's and that's that's why I was like I think I think that's and, the coup de grace. You know what what would be funny is what if you lived in that building as right. a musician? Yep. And can I, can I go I, out I, that way? I li- well guess what? I live here. Yeah. You know, so 
but I'm also working the venue here. That would be. It's called work from home. Yeah, you know. Hey, but I was just I was like if I'm thinking to myself the people came in this way. Okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? Right. You know, and and I was just like you know again it's the principle it's the idea that you're treating musicians and I guess most vendors. As, you know, subservient, as right. lower class citizens. And as you said, you know, the idea of, you know, you work for me sort of right. thing. I mean, yes, contractually, we we work for you, yeah. but you also kind of have to think outside the contract in terms of treating us like human you beings. You know who we work for? We work for the bride and groom. Okay. Yeah. The person who signed the contract was the groom. Okay, so we were contracted by him. Okay, legally speaking, you know, it makes sense that we as a subcontractor have to work with the venue, okay, which is why they make us provide our own insurance, and that's fine, okay? But then to to, you know, make it so that like you you work for us kind of a thing in that manner like you just described. It again, it's just I don't get it. I don't get it. I, someone has to explain to me what I'm missing. And I'm, you know what? If you can legally explain to me why it's a problem, if I get it, I'll I'll back off. You know, I'll be like, okay, I get it. I, it's fine. I was wrong. But I don't know. It's just there's that, there is that air of, of people saying, uh, of people doing things and saying things in a way that are so uh, demeaning to us as musicians. It makes you feel like, why do I do this? Why, you know, right? You know, why do I put myself in positions to be, you know, the servants to other people? Um, now, and again, I don't want to get spiritual or, or theological, and we should be servants to other people and whatnot, but not in a way where we are demeaned. You know, where, where we're thought of as less than people, like we're actually slaves or servants, right? You know. It's just, ah, oh man, it just, just yeah. grinds my gears, you know? Mm-hmm. Rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. But uh, what are you going to do? So that was that story. for Again, it wasn't the end of the world, but... But it, it could stick in your craw a little yeah. bit because, you know, you're... You know, it's the end of the night. You're tired. Right. You and that's just one thing that just yeah. adds to the... You know, just another little obstacle right. that... We just want to go home. I mean, and no one was there. No. No one was in the lobby area. Right. You could, I mean. You could have, you know what you could have said to me? You could have said to me, listen, this exit is reserved for tenants only after 8 p.m. or after 7 p.m., whatever. So, yeah, if he gave you, know, you specifics, if he told fine. Me, if he told me specifically, like, it's it's actually in the condominium policy. It, or or, it's, or if he said something like, look, I'm really sorry, but I can't. Yeah. You know, just if he, if he, if he just, like, got on your level. Yeah. And said, look, I get it. Yeah. I know you guys want to go out through this entrance, but it's policy. I yeah. can't let tenant, you know. It's not, it's not, it's not up to me. You know, then, my, my hands yeah. are tied. Then I'm like, hey, okay, you know. But to just say, I can't go out this way. Got to go out that yeah, way. Yeah, right. You know? But the way he said yeah. it could have been avoided. Totally. Again, it's about how you talk to people. Mm-hmm. It's how you talk to people. Yeah. So, I mean, or, you know, the the uh, the events coordinator could could have told us before the whole thing. 
You know, that's there's okay, another thing. Okay, so you didn't know. I didn't know that that was that was not cool. Interesting. All she told us was where to load in. And that was it. She said the load in is on this side. You know, uh, here's you know here's how it works, and then we go from there. I'm mm. like, okay, fine, and I we follow that explicitly. Interesting. You know, the problem was that after you load in the parking lot, you know, it's a parking deck. It's it's on it's completely in the other direction mm-hmm. from where the load in is. So the last thing I want to do is go back and get my car, bring it all the way back to the load in dock, and go. I'd have to go through the reception in order to take my stuff out. Mm. Like, why would I do that? Yeah. You know, that looks even worse than me going out the front. Right. You know? By going out the front, it's kind of like I'm sneaking out the back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a little reverse. Exactly. I don't know, man. It's just just a just a drag. Well, that's another story to tack on to the uh the music podcast. Yeah. Music business podcast next year. Yeah. Or whenever we do whenever it. Whenever we do it. But yeah, so that's that's about it. Okay. You know? Got a Yankee game to go watch now and uh Well what about the Oh, so you know, we we didn't get a chance to talk about this when it happened because we were doing the, the the music podcasts, okay? But there was a lot of unsporting behavior, unsportsmanlike behavior that the Yankees had during the course of this baseball season. And I actually, I think that our blog post that comes out in November discusses it more in depth as well. Um, but there was a lot of stuff that happened that really turned me off to the Yankees. And I actually tweeted this out uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, I'm rooting for the Yankees, okay? But if they win, it's going to be bittersweet because the amount of unsportsmanlike behavior that they exhibited uh, really made me uh, not appreciate them as much. Like, it was, I didn't like it. You've got CeCe Sabathia hitting batters and uh, and whatnot and arguing and things like that. you got Brett Gardner hitting the dugout with the bat as his protest against umpires. Um You've got Aaron Boone saying things to umpires that are getting picked up on mics that are basically like belittling them to the point where he's just going to get run every time. You know, just mm-hmm. the savages in the box thing. And then, and here's the other thing too. Yeah, what was that one? Okay, so that one was they were playing a doubleheader against Tampa, and the home plate umpire was Brennan Miller. Okay, he is a Triple A call up. Do you know what his number is? Fifty five. Angel Hernandez's old number. Oh, okay. Before he switched to now five. you know old numbers. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Brennan had worked maybe three or four plates in the major league at that point. In the major leagues at that point. And he had the plate that day. And he missed a couple of pitches at the very bottom of the zone. Okay. And they were arguing. The Yankees were arguing. They were getting upset. And he had told Aaron Boone he had enough. He said, I, he said, I heard you. That's enough. Okay. He, know, he probably knows he missed the pitches. He's probably nervous as heck, you know, so he, he gets it. And finally, he, uh, he he ejected Aaron Boone. And so Aaron Boone came out to get his last word and his money's worth, if you will, the ridiculous notion of that. Mm-hmm. And the microphones there picked up exactly what he said. And it was along the lines of, I get it. I feel sorry for you. I know you're having a bad day, but you need to tighten it up. 
and he's using a lot more you know curse words than I'm using. My guys are savages in that box, savages. Okay, and they can't, and they're not going to you know change their strike zone because you're having a bad day, things like that. And he bumped Brennan Miller too. Their hats touched. So so Aaron was suspended for a game as a result of that as well. Um, it was it it was it was really bad. Well, that's you know? pretty flipping racist. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, if you look at it that, I mean, I I understand what he's yeah saying. In I don't terms think of, I don't think anybody took it as racist until I, you did. But but unfortunately, I know I know the context right. in which he was saying it. But from the outside, that's sounds bad. It sounds really yeah. bad. So then this marketing campaign went on, and there are T-shirts everywhere that says "Savages in the Box" and things like that. Oh, so and, now they're capitalizing. Exactly. On it. Exactly. And they capitalized on the Brett Gardner thing. So Brett Gardner's hitting dugouts. Hey guys, it's okay to be assholes to umpires. <laughs> and now this podcast is rated M for immature. Sorry. <laughs> but, well, we'll mention it. Yeah. So, but... Uh, I'm sorry. That just really No, no, I agree. So, but Brett Gardner's doing things like he's hitting the dugout with the bat. Like destroying so, property, so and that's his. So that's his way of too of, far off the mark. Yeah, then, that's his way of, of getting upset. And a league wide uh, memorandum went out, especially to the umpires, and said memorandum is okay. Uh, memorandum. Uh, what do you want? A thing went out. <laughs> a letter went out. Did you get that okay. thing I sent you? Yeah. <laughs> He's having problems with his TPS reports. You like that? <laughs> All right. So, and it said to the umpires. Um, if Brett Gardner or anybody hits the dugout with a bat, he's to be ejected. And he did that, and he was ejected. And then Boone was ejected, and Sabathia was ejected, and like everyone starts getting ejected because they're defending him. And and it's, I remember Phil Cuzzy came over, sleeve number 10. Huh? No, yes, sleeve number 10. Uh, lives in New Jersey. Oh. Yeah. And he comes over and ejects him, and, and then he ejects... Uh, Sabathia and just say, and you know basically just said what do you want me to do you can't do that you know it's it's it, we have the paper right here that says no <laughs> all right uh it's just oh my god it's just ridiculous and and now and speaking of capitalizing you know so the new fad in baseball is when you get a hit when you're on base you turn back to your dugout and make some sort of signal some sort of hand signal it's kind of like a bonding thing like you might remember like a fist bump yeah or you a... might remember a couple of years ago when the Yankees played Tampa Bay at City Field because of the hurricane okay and there was this guy oh, yeah, who, okay. who was caught on camera he was a Mets fan at the game and when Todd Frazier hit a home run all the camera caught was this big fat guy giving the thumbs down symbol with like the straight face oh I saw that? that was that the guy with the beard yeah, yeah so the that. Yankees rally cry was for you know that symbol was the thumbs down every time someone got on base they turned back to the dugout and gave thumbs down Okay, so now every time a Yankee gets on base, they turn back to the dugout and make this motion, which is the Brett Gardner holding a bat, hitting the top of the dugout motion. Ridiculous. You know, not only is that bad sportsmanship, but it's dangerous. Yeah. Because the fans are right there. What? Kind? And what if the bat breaks? What kind, and what kind when of When it goes flying. And There's what, no net there. And what kind of message are you sending to the kids? They were right there. Oh, my God. The whole thing is stupid. So, that's oh what... Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. No, it's all bad. It's all bad. Okay? The whole thing... Just play the flipping game. It's all ridiculous. 
How difficult is it to play the game? I mean, that's how you play the game. See what I did there? Ah, uh, uh, the old title card move. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but that's it. Just it it just upsets me. It's real. It it's we didn't get a chance to talk about it, and mm-hmm. it's still there. And it's almost like if the you know I'm I'm not rooting against the team for which I am a fan. But I think you're rooting for them for different reasons. Right. I mean, di- because there are some f- fabulous players yeah. on the Yankees mm-hmm. this year. And, you know, but the, the unsportsmanlike conduct does add a taint yes. to it, yes, unfortunately. It yes, it does. So it just... You know, as long it is again, <laughs> what they perceive as just playing the game and acting out on aggression and you know using adrenaline. Well, kids are gonna see that, yep, and they're gonna be like, "Well, that's how I'm gonna do." And it. they're gonna mimic it, and it's just it, the whole thing is just a mess. Mm-hmm. It's just a mess. So I just have to get that off my chest, right? Maybe we'll deal with it a little bit later, but yeah. those are the three things for today. Okay. All right. So uh, sounds good. Let's let's end it right here. Okay. okay. These short episodes are uh, are are catching on, I and mean, the long ones are good too. But yeah. uh, this one, uh, short and sweet and to the point. We'll have a really long one at some point. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do that in uh, December. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll all go out again or something like that. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. Sean, thank you. Thank you. Uh, And uh, thank you to all our listeners. Again, keep submitting your sportsmanship stories. We really appreciate it. When you do that, you can email us at podcast at osafoundation.org or submit it via our website, osafoundation.org. Again, social media, facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. And uh, we'll see everybody in the grand old month of November. Sounds good. And until then, everybody, please treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org.